Broadcasting, Third Coast, and recorded live at Tropide South Studios. This is The Hango Show. <laughs> watching her play one-on-one, and there's like, in the chat, this dog at her how bad her avatar looks. <laughs> like, you got banned for like a week or something. It's like six weeks. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's, she was one of the bros, one of the, the iconic people on there, you know? And um, yeah, there was like 10 of those people, 10 yeah, pros was, put the, put the site together, didn't they? Yeah. They were like the faces of it, man. So they were always the ones, but, but she did, man. She had like a hair lip type of a gimmick and I was just trying to point it out to her. And then it kind of got to be funny, you know? So God, dude, <clears throat> no, I remember I'd come into work. You're like, man, I can't get on Booker Stars for the next six weeks. <laughs> Why? I made some fun of one of the pros, one of their avatars, and they got all pissy about it. Yeah, it was full tilt. Full, full tilt, tilt, not full, Poker Stars. Yeah, yeah, full yeah, tilt yeah, poker. yeah. Oh, oh man. man, I hadn't watched a poker game in forever. I swear, man. I get itchy, um, you know, because I want to go play and stuff. So I'll, you know, from time to time flip over on YouTube or something, and they've always got some sort of um, – recap type shows of, of the latest whatever i usually like to try to watch the cash games the recaps of the cash games because man these guys they play for some crazy money like yeah i mean you know like the uh you know we've all played the the hold'em game you know and it's based on a uh like a small blind and a big blind and um and some of the games that i've been watching uh highlights from here lately have a one thousand two thousand dollar big blind so the smallest amount even to bet of any is $2,000. That's the smallest right. increments of bets. And this is a cash game. This is money out of these guys' pockets. Now, are these all pros playing or is this? Absolutely. Well, they're pros and like just businessmen who are just billionaires right. or whatever. Just, you know, money doesn't matter. They're just wanting to play with the best in the world type. But they'll all have a half a million dollars, man, you know, sitting in front of them playing. and Crazy. Crazy, yeah. I mean, when when you see or when I watch it and I see, you know, somebody bet a hundred and forty something thousand dollars or something like that, I just thought, golly, I mean, that's that's a huge chunk of land, you know. I mean, or, or, or a, a nice car or a house or yeah, it's anything a lot. Else. Of, it's a lot of you could do a lot with that, but you just bet it on a one card. <laughs> it's like uh, you know, but I guess, man, if you're able to do that or you know whatever, uh, you just got more money than you know what to do with. Well, they know what to do with it. They're gambling it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess to me it would be more than I know what to do with it. You have to get right up on that. <laughs> <laughs> I swear it's got to get on a loop. Yeah, I mean, you you got to stay right up on top of it. Yeah, but anyway, welcome to the Hango Show. This is your host, Hango Wood. Tonight I have uh, someone who's already been here before, Jut, and one of our, our friends, kind of the – it's probably four or five of us kind of running around together, Harpoon over here. What's that? I think you you own a restaurant. Mm-hmm. Okay, how's things been going in light of everything? Um, well, since since the first um, part of the year, uh, really around the first of April and middle of middle of March, first of April, um, we decided we first of all started with just not letting people come and dine in. And um, having people, uh, not even having people come in to pick up, I was just taking it out. Um, and 
<clears throat> and then about a week or two after I saw it, it was really kind of starting to be, get everybody kind of freaked out and everything. I went on and cut back to three days a week because um, my thinking on that is that, you know, I, I need to try to keep me and my kids that work for me as, as safe as possible. Because especially right there at the very first couple of months, nobody really knew anything about all they all you saw was the hype of this disease or this, you know, whatever spreading so quickly and scaring everybody. <clears throat> so I thought that, you know, if I can do, if I could reduce our exposure, potential exposure by half, that that would give us more than double a chance to survive all of it. Yeah. I, I'm willing to take, you know, cut it back to where basically all the bills are getting paid and just run with it for as long as I can. You know, I'll worry about making me a living later as long as I can keep everything open and running and, and, you know, helping the guys that, that are working for me and all, you know, every, every, there's a, you know, there's a community that, that kind of depends on us a little bit to feed them and, or to be part of the food option. And, um, and plus, man, you know, I, I wanted to, kind of help. I didn't want anybody to come to my place and get sick. Yeah. You know, I wanted to be as proactive, clean as possible. I want people to always think of my business as, you know, um, the, the top of the hill, uh, you know, as, as far as, you know, being clean or being good food or good service or all of it. I mean, I want to be, you know, I, I want to be thought of in a small town in that way. Right. Well, in a big town or everywhere. I want everybody to know that I'm, I'm doing everything I can to, that I think is right. Yeah. Well, Matt, one of the other guys who's got a show on the same network as us, uh, he's a chef up in St. Charles, Missouri. And I guess when it first hit, I don't, I don't even know if, I guess St. Charles must have had a shutdown order. Um, they parlayed into selling uh, just raw cut meat. Like steaks, pork chops, fish, stuff like that. That was their way of trying to keep some business stirred up, you know. Yeah. Uh, have you noticed locally, like any restaurants tanking because of all this? We did have a um, an initial victim, maybe. Um, there was a steakhouse um, that was in the middle part of the town, and um, they shut down pretty quickly. They had just built an outside um I guess patio area right. and had it fenced in and they had, they had just spent some, some good money, I would think, you know, fixing their place up. And then all of a sudden, man, you can't have anybody come in yeah. in and stuff. So they, I think they were um, probably the biggest initial casualty. I haven't really seen a whole lot of other, um, there's not a lot of independent restaurants, right? You know, there's a lot of chain and of course they got a lot of backing. Um, I think that's one thing that, it kind of missed us. I mean, there's not a whole lot of independently owned restaurants here to, to shutter, you know, and from, from what I've seen, most of them have, have been okay. I don't know if it's okay. Right. They've been, they've stayed open. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they've made it somehow or another, you know, you so you see on the news every night is you know, this restaurant shut down, that restaurant shut down yeah. or like in, in New York and LA, the bars and restaurants, there just, taking the brunt of it sure well you know here you know we're we live in small town usa and we're not uh part of a you know a half million or more people you know living around so when when you're in a smaller city you get to know people you get to know your customers and you have this you know um 
personal interaction and um, people want to help people, you know, so they, I, th- I feel like uh, this community is definitely um, decided that, <clears throat> you know, they would eat with me, you know, as much as they could uh, where they might have been eating with a competitor, you know, previously right. they might think, Hey, look, I want to help the local guys out. And, and I get a lot of people that, that you know, I, I, I try to personally thank everybody that, you know, I take food out to the car, probably 95 or plus percent right. of everything that goes out. And I always try to thank everybody for coming and eat with us. Yeah. I think that's something that, man, I think all service industry, whether it be restaurants or hotels or retail shops, uh, locally owned places, they're number one, they're getting a big push now. Cause people are realizing, Oh, you know, when everything goes tits up, all the chain places are going to close down or move somewhere else or whatever, you know, and and they're like, we need to support the ones we have here, here locally. I guess to keep them going, good times and bad. I mean, you, all three of us sitting here, we've all owned businesses at some time in our life, right? You know, either now or past or whatever. Uh, I met Harpoon. Even well, I, I talked to you before I even met you. Mm-hmm. I worked for his brothers at another restaurant when I was in high school, and my this this was my entire interaction. Hello. Yeah, is Mike, is Mike or Kev there? No. Oh, this is Harpoon. Tell him I said hi and, 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 and to call me. Bye. Click. That was once a week the whole time I worked there. <laughs> Always super nice. But all right, bye. Now, when you open the, the place down south from here, uh-huh. uh, where my wife is from, you ran pretty pretty much skeleton crew down there, didn't you? It was a... Um it, it was a different, uh, different time of my life in a different environment. Um, different. Uh, it was just different because. Well, wait a minute. I, I should preface this with saying he's not hiring twenty people now. I mean, you, you've always ran a, a pretty tight, small crew. Right. Uh, back then, I was the uh, my kitchen um, was much smaller, so it wasn't as um, you, you couldn't really run. You know, four or five six people back there. You just right. couldn't. I mean, it's just, you'd be shoulder to shoulder. It's just too much. Um, and my, so, uh, I'd actually opened two restaurants there. The first one, uh, was, was basically, uh, no dining. And then, um, the second one we added, I guess it was probably about a hundred seats or so. It was way more. Was than that me. down there too? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, it was way more than I, <clears throat> I was ready for. Uh, I was trying to grow. I mean, I was. I, I felt like I, I had my um, the the other business was going really well, but I felt like I could take it to another level if I added the dine in. You know, added added to it, and uh, which it did. I mean, it, it did exactly what I thought it was going to do. It's just that my help was not as reliable. I had to you know take um, a smaller crew and add another four or five people to it. Right. Those four or five people weren't kitchen help; they were dining room help and that wasn't very reliable. You know, I'd have kids, you know, I think I've told you all this story, man. You know, there was, you know, Friday night comes around. It's our busiest night. Of course, we've got, you know, I'm running tea glasses out, refilling tea glasses, answering the phone, running the oven. I'm just, bop, 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 bop. one of the girls that's supposed to be waiting tables had called in earlier, man, saying that she was sick. And then she shows up out there in the parking lot with her boyfriend man, in a pickup <laughs> truck to pick up pizza. 
I'm over there. I'm over there filling glasses, doing her job, and look out the window, and literally she's sitting in the passenger side while her her boyfriend's in there picking up pizza. And I'm like, you know, that was just pretty much over and over down there. So as soon as I could get rid of it, I did. I say as soon as as soon as I, I mean I kept it for a year and a half. But right. but when I had opportunity to sell it and move to, and do you know somewhere else, I did. I took it. Yeah, you were talking about how small that place was. You remember what the place was like that I worked at with. Kevin Mike, mm-hmm. that was a 30 by 30 concrete building, <laughs> cement block building. And uh, remember where the bathroom was at? Yeah. Down that two foot wide. Yeah. Two foot wide hallway. You couldn't, you couldn't, you couldn't face forward on that toilet. It was like the bathroom was so, it was in a square box. It wasn't even in a rectangle box. So the front of the toilet almost touched the wall. You almost. Yeah. You, you had to sit sideways. Two inches it. away from the wall. You had, to, you, had to, you had to sit side saddle on that toilet. Side saddle. And man, that place was hot. Cool. Oh God. It was like being in an oven. Those, the, man, those ovens were running and it was just so compact. It was a cement block. Yeah. So it you was were, like you were, you were in, in a kiln. You were Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's exactly what it was. You were in your own brick oven. You were cooking along along with the, the pizza yeah. and stuff. Oh my gosh. Oh man. It's, tell me about, I heard stories. Oh, I know what I want to get into. About do you want to share your story about uh about trading silver? Um yeah, investments, man. I, yeah, I, mean, I, <laughs> He's like, I guess I'll I'll be the tale. I'll be the bad story. Um it I I've always I've always been kind of a gambler. Yeah. You know, I've always had the the mentality that <clears throat> you know, I, I grew up poor. And uh so I know how to live poor. I've lived poor I mean almost all of my life. But in order for me, I felt like, you know, to uh to take a chance, man, to to really make some money and make a difference, make hit a lick as you know. Uh, then I'm willing to take a chance. You know, I may lose it, I may not, uh, but I'm willing to take a chance. I want to step up to the bat. I want to step up to the plate, swing it. I want to try to crack it once. Right. Um, I'm not interested in standing there and letting it go past me. I want to, I'm going to take a swing. So, I mean, I, I started uh, doing some research on different investments and, different, you know, started looking at the stock market. And, and back then, there was no internet where you could pull up and see a daily uh, a ticker. You you're know, going through a brokerage. I was, yeah, I was going through a brokerage, right? So you know, you could what the the information that you had was yesterday's newspaper. Wait, when was this? Was like in the nineties, right? It was in the nineties. Yeah, and so like now, I once I'm on my phone, I've got yeah, just a second by second ticker, mm-hmm. you know, and what, what my investment's doing. But at this time, you said get the paper the next day and see what happened, how much money you got left. Yeah, the information you had was a was a series of numbers that you that I would write down. <coughs> um, and I would look at every day in the newspaper. I would keep up with what gold and silver were doing, a few different stocks, what they were doing, um, everything. And um, I would have to call this broker, and it was it was like a forty five dollar fee right. or something. I mean, it was a it was crazy to make up like a move. You know, you, if you were like, okay, man, I've got three hundred dollars saved up, and I want to buy AOL for twelve dollars. You know what I mean, or something. And they would charge you like almost fifty bucks to do that trade for you. Where now you do them online free, right? So anyway, man, I, I was continuing to do my research. I was doing homework and um, everything that I could watch on TV. I was watching uh, all the analysts, all the everybody that had any smart opinions on all of it. Well, anyway, man, I came to the conclusion um, I, I had started uh, doing my commodities homework. Came across a um, company that I could call up and get as close to real time on gold and silver spot prices 
as there were. They would give, they would look over, find out what it was, and let me know over the phone. And then I could actually place my order through them. Gotcha. Well, I had I had started doing that. I had a I had a, a pretty good idea of the way that the gold and silver market were moving, and I I could I had a um, I thought a better chance of making a um, better investment in silver. <clears throat> so um, I had uh, uh, bought, I bought some silver, and uh, I let it run for a week or two or something like that, and and uh, had wound up making three or four hundred dollars on it, which to me at that time was. I could go buy a car. You know? <laughs> I mean, it was just that much. It was that big of a money, you know, difference. Uh, you know, I felt like if I made $300 extra, I thought, man, you know, this is fun money to me now. Right. It's not, you know, so I, I did that a time or two. And then after talking to a broker um, who I was trading stocks with, I was telling him what I was doing with this other company with the gold and silver. And he's like, Oh man, you should try it on margin. You know, you should, Oh no, you should <laughs> leverage that money that you have. You want to explain what margin is? Well, well, basically, man. I mean, what you're doing is you're you're buying blocks of shares of something. You know, basically, it's a or most time it's a hundred shares or a hundred of whatever. That's a block, you know, or a, an option or whatever. Um, so anyway, man. Long story short, you can you can um, turn your hundred dollars worth of normal cash buying power into like a thousand dollars worth of cash buying power going through this this particular um, way of buying it. And um, so I had done that once or twice. And Tell them the downside of margin. Well, you're, you're responsible. It's kind of like buying a house, you know, or, or, or putting up a uh, amount of money to put a down payment on a house. If the asset that you're buying or uh, is losing value, then you have to uh, put in enough money to make sure that your portion is – is satisfied. So just say, for example, you're borrowing a um, $100,000 to buy a house and the bank required you to put a $20,000 payment, a down payment on it or something like that. And <clears throat> depending on which way you leverage the your buying power or selling power, uh, you know, you have to keep a 20% um, backup in there. So anyway, man, long story short, I, I bought, uh, I leveraged a bunch of money um, and I had, or all the money I had basically and uh, bought several options of, <clears throat> of silver and did pretty well. And uh, then, like on my second time, I did it. Uh, I did uh, even better. And I so I'd run up a small amount of money to a, a, a very significant amount of money to me. And after talking to this broker and uh, and realizing how fast I'd made this money, he had convinced me that I, now I need to short. The market, <laughs> the silver market, because it was running up so high. Right. He was telling me that it just can't keep running up high. It's got to come down. And you know, here, here, you, here's another way you can almost double your money again. And I just thought this has got to be too good to be true. We're printing money over here, yeah. And and it sounds right. I mean, I, it sounds like you know, man, it just can't keep going up. Uh, okay, so I tell the guy, I'm like, okay, man, well, let's short it, you know. And um, literally, like that. Next day, Warren Buffett comes out and says, uh, I've been accumulating silver, and I think silver's a great buy. So what happened was <laughs> everybody thought Warren Buffett says it's good buy, so they just started buying it. So now I'm shorting it thinking silver's going to go down. Oh, yeah. By the way, shorting means you're betting against it. You're, get, you're betting that stock or yep. that commodity is going to tank. Yep. So you're buying at a high price. I mean, and, and I mean, are you're 
selling it at a high price. And then as the stock goes down to a certain point, you'll buy it. So you make the difference in between what you sold it for and what you bought it for. It's just the reverse of, of, buy, of buying a normal stock and watching it appreciate. So anyway, Warren Buffett comes out the next day. He goes, oh, yeah, man, it's a great buy. Boom. And all of a sudden, silver almost doubles. <laughs> Goes from like five ten an ounce to like a little over ten. You know, I mean five ten to like uh, right at ten dollars. <clears throat> well, and you're holding the bag, and I'm holding the. Oh yes. <laughs> well, my broker is on the phone with me at like four a.m. in the morning, calling and just, uh, Mister So and So, you need to uh, get a deposit to us pretty quick, you know, <laughs> or either we need to sell your position and give you what's left over, which wasn't much. I was thinking, holy smoke, man. He's and so I was like, well, give me a second, so I. I call this other guy, get his advice, and he's like, man, I would just stick with it because it's got to go down now. Just thinking, oh, my God, I don't even – I was just so devastated all of a sudden. I guess I just wasn't thinking very clearly or whatever. But anyway, wind up doing it again. I wind up losing, like, everything. <laughs> <laughs> everything. Uh Damn you so you're still it. here. Go ahead. What'd you say, Jeff? Damn you, Buffett. <laughs> yeah. The one time I want to go all in, the you know, the you went all in the wrong way. I went in the wrong way. Yeah. yeah I went against dude, Warren Buffett. Have you heard of Wall Street Bets? It's like a Reddit sub, a subreddit called Wall Street Bets, uh, and it's just a a bunch a bunch of weaponized retards who are throwing money at anything and hoping it would stick, and it's just it's like finding a troll page. Just full of people investing money, it is, and they have some of the the most asinine investments you've ever seen on there. They're bordering on market manipulation because one I mean, this page has got hundred thousand users, and so one guy comes in there and is like, "Hey, I'm thinking about about doing a call options on on blueberry on on blackberry stock." Yes, I'll do it. Let's all and so they start pumping money into this thing. And it's through the roof. Well, then they sell off all their options. It, it just crashes. Wow. They they were kind of uh, they were in with uh, SPCE the the Gal- the yep. um, Virgin Galaxy stock when it peaked so big uh, first part of the year when it hit forty dollars a share, and you were like, I'd get out if I were you. I'd get out if I were you. And I got out like right before it hit forty. I'm like, oh, I should have stuck with it. Well, then that day it just tanked because wow. everybody, all the guys from that page, sold off their stock at once. You know, um, that's, yeah. I mean, I can see how, um, a big group of younger investors, you know, they, I, I think that, you know, of course, um, a, a lot of the people, people have way more access to trading. Oh, it's, su- it's super, I mean, whether you use uh, TD Ameritrade or, I mean, I know Robinhood is, is mm-hmm. commission free. Oh yeah. Most of them now you, know, you mean, can trade all you want. And then they, I think they kind of disrupted uh, st- stock trading that way. But see, that's the reason why the, the guys from that page are able to make all those ridiculous things is because it's a bunch of seventeen-year-olds with their with their month with their with their uh, you know job money or whatever, and they're just pumping it into the stuff. Thinking it's a they video, they've made stock trading a video game. What it's boiled down to, you know, man. It's uh, I mean, since we were talking about online poker earlier, you know. Um, it's it's kind of like that. It's kind of like it's like you said. These kids are thinking of it as a video game, but they're making an incredible amount of money because they're math. You know, well, if they get out in time, things. they are. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, they they've made everything so accessible now. 
anybody can put their money into anything. But like you said, you know, I thought about investing before, but I was like, God, I'm about to go find a brokerage and hope, hope they're going to do my money right and everything, you mm-hmm. know. So, how about y'all, man? Y'all do a, y'all do a lot of stock investing, or I've never traded stock in my life. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't go to Wall Street bets and look at their advice. Um, if you knew my history with math and st- graphs. <laughs> <laughs> not good. I, let, let me ask you this, man. I mean, there's a lot of talk about, you know, since we're talking about all the, the online money and stuff like that, that's kind of um, moving around. What do you think about like all the movement in Bitcoin? Do you think Bitcoin will, or something like that will get to a point where we're taking it at our, you know, our businesses, you know, some sort of a crypto thing? Jet? I No clue. I have no idea how any of that works. Or yeah, how it would you, work. You think it'll be stable enough to ever be able to be accepted like at a brick and mortar store, which I'm sure some brick and mortar stores are already doing it now. Yeah. I'd, I'd yeah. There, there are. Um, I don't know. Like I, I know nothing about it, so I'm not the person to ask about it, but um, which I could say for a lot of things. But, <laughs> uh, yeah. That one, especially I have no clue. If the, uh, you know, if the banks or whoever, man, that, that take our uh, credit cards you know, if they have um, added to the credit card swipe or punch in the number or whatever, you know, access to your Bitcoin account, you know, um, versus well, sending you a bill. But that would kind of negate the whole point of Bitcoin. The whole point of Bitcoin is to be an anonymous, is to be an, an anonymous, contr- uh, a finite material that you can spend about being tracked. So if you're swapping a card that's linked to your account, that totally blows the whole point of Bitcoin. I, personally, I think Bitcoin is still way too volatile to to be considered to be used reliably as as a currency. And some people are doing it, you know, and they're hoping that the price stays or goes up. You know, ones who are receiving it, which I don't blame them. We've seen, you know, in the last what, 20 years has been around or whatever, mm-hmm. that it's, you know, the, do you know what the first Bitcoin transaction was? For pizza. Yeah, a guy bought a pizza for 10,000 <laughs> Bitcoin. Jeez. That person is sitting there, that's like a billion dollar pizza now, you know. Right. So, I, I didn't check the price today. I think it was like 37,000 last time I checked it a couple days ago. It's crazy high, man. Absolutely, man. And I tell you this, you were the first person that, that mentioned Bitcoin to yeah. me ever. Um and uh, the day that you came into the office and you were uh, telling me about it and stuff, we were talking about it. And uh, um, at that point in time, man, Bitcoin was right at like 120 bucks, yeah, or something. And now it's like almost forty thousand. Yeah, yeah. You know what's kind of goofy? I've, I've I've thought I've really kind of just because I hear some of it on the news and stuff like that. I thought to myself, I was like, you know, man, like me just being a natural gambler, you know, type. You know, why back then didn't I just say? I'm gonna go buy two or three, stick them in a sock drawer somewhere. <laughs> you know, well, I mean, it's it's not a it's not a physical currency. You know, it's one thing. And number two, when it first came out, it was it was you know you had to know you had to know how you had to know about you know using different websites as far as you know building a wallet and all that kind of stuff. You know, uh, now you can buy it on Robinhood. You know, you can buy there's there's like a list of 10, 15 different cryptocurrencies in there you can buy on Robinhood just on your phone like that, you know. That's what I'm saying. I mean, it may not be Bitcoin, 
There may be, oh, yeah. there may be some other cryptocurrency, man. Uh, but Ripple may, may end up being one of them. Uh, there's been a lot of new, I hadn't really been following news on Ripple. Um, the SEC stepped in about uh, something and halted trading with Ripple. Um, and it's still pretty affordable. I think it was like six, seven bucks. That's my saw each. Um, but they're doing something about uh, Ripple not being traded as, as a commodity or I'm not sure what the whole halt was about. So I'm not going to speak on it that much. Um, I, I think this is the, that's the problem though. You, you can't, you know, what, what gives Bitcoin its worth? Just kind of what everybody. Yeah. People agree that it's worth something, yeah. you know, what Bitcoin is that going for it is it's, 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 its ability to be finite. There's only 21 million that will ever be mined, you know, and as they're spent, they're broken to go mine it again. Doesn't that kind of sound like, man, one of those donkey Kong games, where, <laughs> you know, you hit yeah. the gold coin and you get, there's only, but yeah, unlike, only six, <laughs> only like, unlike, you know, like American currency or pretty much any currency in the world. Now it's not backed by anything. Since we went off the gold standard in 1971, our entire monetary policy is based on confidence that we, that I believe that if I, if I bring you $20 to your restaurant, you're going to give me $20 worth of food back. Mm-hmm. You know, when that confidence drops, prices go up. So I have to take $25 to your restaurant to get $25 worth of money back. There's no, you know, there, there is nothing to base the actual worth for a cash on anymore. So how can, how can we really know what it's worth? Well, it's, we know what it's worth because that's what everybody agreed on to take you know i think if i if i had brought a couple goats and a chicken up to your restaurant asked you to trade it for food you're like you got food right there i mean you <laughs> i mean <laughs> we're gonna go back to bartering you know what i mean um yeah there's you, so man would you start taking goats and chicken <laughs> why not you know what I mean? <laughs> at this point yeah. what what yeah sure i mean y'all got a big field out behind your house man you could use a goat it's fenced in we could yeah. uh just throw them out in the back. <laughs> Let the dogs play with them. Yeah, oh, man. <laughs> They'd play with them all right. Yeah. Dude, that'd be a mess. <laughs> there wouldn't be a feather left on a chicken in the backyard. <laughs> Guinness, got, Guinness got to chase oh, one of them. God. Holy God. Oh, man. Uh, I'm going to grab a beer. Y'all want something else? I'm good, man. Right, yeah. Judd, you want another beer? Sure. Stuff got, me, good. stuff got me all chatty. You said you're good? Yeah, I'm good, man. I gotta drive. Thank you. All right, set up and ready to go. All right. Oh. Oh man, uh, let's see where were we? Jet was taking goats. Oh yeah, Jet was taking <laughs> taking goats for paper products <laughs> and tips at the bar. Oh, yeah, <laughs> y'all doing a good job tonight. I'm gonna get a goat and bring it here, tie up. Y'all just take it out. You know, he's talking about that field behind his house, about the field behind your house down south. You had a restaurant down there, yeah, yeah, yeah. and that dog wouldn't stop barking that night. <laughs> Those country boys, I swear to goodness, man, they're genius, man. Was that was that one of y'all's? It, uh, it wasn't. It, it was none of our. It was my neighbor's dog. Right, but who, who were the guys that were down there? Is oh, some guys from down that way? Uh, yeah, yeah, just some local guys. They were friends of people that worked for me. Yeah, this dog come out in the pasture behind his house. 
and they would uh it was bark just go ahead you tell the story that dog would keep barking at the back door <laughs> what did those guys do so i so everybody back then used to smoke cigarettes you know and uh except for me and and i would just ask everybody to step outside to smoke so most of the night um Everybody was hanging out over at my house. We'd have the music going and, you know, eight or ten people, five people, whatever it was. But there was some drinking going on and whatever. And everybody, But anyway, it would always usually wind up outside because everybody was smoking. Well, right outside of the back door where the back patio um, <clears throat> carport was, was a horse fence. And our neighbors had a, big, had a horse out there. And, and it wasn't probably, I don't know, 15 or 20 feet, maybe 30 feet. Uh, from my back patio, and in that in that field over there with that horse, man, there was always a dog or two, and I and it kind of seemed like that maybe the dog would go in for a while or whatever. But anyway, usually at night, that rascal would come over there, man, because everybody'd be standing outside. He'd stand over there at the daggum fence and just just cutting up, <laughs> man. You know. I had a couple of them country boys was over there one night, man, and we just had enough of it because he just was cutting loose. And that guy, and uh, he said, he said, hey, do you have any peanut butter inside? I was like, well, yeah, sure, man. He goes, he goes, man, I'm fixing to shut this dog up. <laughs> he takes a he takes a piece of loaf bread and puts about a half inch of peanut butter all <laughs> over it. I mean, it was about a half a jar. He walks over and feeds that dog, and all you could hear was that <laughs> <laughs> dog didn't bark the rest of the night. It was great. Oh my gosh! Yeah, we used to keep peanut butter just to feed the dog. It <laughs> was that every night y'all would throw down like that. Um, it's okay. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, well, I'm just thinking, man. Every night, uh, it was it was most nights. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, and back back when I had my business going, my God, we used to be all the time. It was something going on, mm-hmm. either at the bar. or out at J Max play. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> oh man, this your this... local cigarette salesman. <laughs> Shut up! I was an entrepreneur, man. Come on. Yeah. No, we used to go. This 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 guy would would have. He's just just ridiculously underage parties. Sometimes I mean they were there were some toddlers running around there, um, out like. Between the state lines. I mean, it was like out oh, in the wow. middle of nowhere. And his dad had this huge okay, it wasn't a wasn't a shop. It was it was, it like, was a warehouse. It, what it looked like. Yeah. Uh but just had like a, a huge like the front like he had tractors in there, just huge sliding oh, wow. doors in the front. Yeah. And we go out there and there would be so much booze and stuff. And you know, what's everybody want when they get to the party? They want to get their drink and light a cigarette, right? Well, I used my head one day. I'm like, you know what? We're going out there tonight. I'm going to buy a bunch of cheap beer. Everybody runs out of beer, too. Oh. And then nobody wants to go get yeah. more beer. So I went and bought, I bought a bunch of cheap beer. I mean, it was like Milwaukee's Best or something. Sure. I mean, it was trash. End of the night, whatever's called. <laughs> so I just packed a cooler full of that and poured ice over it. I bought three packs of condoms. <laughs> I bought. It was a party then. And I bought. I bought two cartons of cigarettes. Of just like these dirt cheap buck buck and a dime packs. I mean, just you light them up and it's dirt. It's not even yeah. tobacco in there, you know. I bought. Just put them in the trunk when I had that old Buick, that old blue Buick. I packed the trunk full. I packed the trunk this full of it, it, just all this stuff. 
We get there, and I swear to God, an hour in, somebody's like, damn, I'm done with my last cigarette. I'm like, friend, I got a something for you. Dang. So I sold those cheap beers for a dollar a piece. I sold the cigarettes for five, $5 a pack, and I sold condoms a dollar a piece. Wow. When I left that night, there wasn't nothing in that cooler but ice, and the trunk was empty other than the cooler. I sold every, I sold the cigarettes out in the first couple of hours. Yeah, they were gone. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they didn't last. Wow. I had a I had a roll of cash on me when I left. <laughs> I mean, I paid maybe twenty bucks a pack for those cartons, and I sell them for five bucks a piece. And there's ten there's ten packs in a carton, so wow. twenty times five, you do the math. Yeah, he made more money that night selling all that stuff than I did DJing. That <laughs> was kind of depressing. God, that was got to hit it from every angle. Uh, that, yeah, right. That one and the uh, the night we had a we had that trailer party. Oh yeah, and you remember that <laughs> vaguely. <laughs> we had this trailer out in the middle of I mean it's out in the middle of nowhere up up in the up in the sticks, and uh, I invited a bunch of people out there. Y'all hell yeah, y'all come on. Remember, I'm in my twenties at this point. I was old enough to know, but if it wasn't like a high school party, this was like grown adults decided to come out there. One of those roads you go down, you think you're going to get murdered. Um, but yeah, and I don't know what it was to set the whole thing off. Because we got out there early. We had been drinking since like seven, and everybody showed up at 10 o'clock. So we were already good and wound up. But yeah, it was just like at 10 o'clock, it was like a line of cars you could see coming. Like on the dot at 10 o'clock, came out there. And got, yeah, it was, uh, I think AT even came that night. Might have. He had never he come to have. any of my, my, my see, I might come out there, then he comes popping in. Um, but yeah. Man, those were some good times. It was a blast. We shotgunned a lot more beer back then, I can tell you that. What's that? We shotgunned a lot more beer back oh then. Oh, my Dude. <laughs> Look, I was, a, I was a good boy until I met these two. That they, they, they corrupted me. Uh, Harpoon over here introduced me to the art of shotgun and a beer. Where that all started was we used to do poker nights at the house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like right, but uh, yeah. shotgun break. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we used to. I, I think I was still working for you at that time. I don't think I opened my business yet. But yeah, that was a, that was a good time, man. It really was nickel diamond quarter poker. Yeah, and we were buying uh, Southpaw beer by the flat. Yeah, you definitely and, buy it by the flat. <laughs> I don't think they self packaging for that beer. But yeah, he introduced me to how to shotgun a beer and got a steak knife out and cut a hole in the bottom. Yeah. Went outside and made me drink it. I didn't want to. We used to keep that knife, man, stuck in a tree out back, man. Because we, we were out there all the time, you know, and instead of trying to make sure we have one, you know, you have to use your key or rip a finger or something, you know. It's <laughs> like, here, let's just leave a steak knife stuck in the tree. That's where we shotgun a lot anyway. True. Oh, my gosh. True. So that was. That was great. I tell you, man, if I had a shotgun a beer right now, dude, I'd damn near need a stretcher or something. Like, <laughs> oh man, I feel like I got a loaf of bread in me. All of a sudden, yeah, it, it, it definitely sits heavier than what it used to. We could we could tear we could tear through a case of beer with no problem some nights. None, you know. And and now it's just like need my Geritol and take my pills, get ready for bed. Forty hit hard, yeah. man. Well, I tell you what, man. I mean, it was it, we, you know, we uh, we've done a lot. <clears throat> you know, honestly, 
when you when you think about how much good clean fun we've had you know um how many great memories that a lot of people will never get the chance to have good clean fun with a group of friends there's a lot of people out there that just don't have that they don't they're just pretty much solo Mm. or maybe have a friend or something but um you know we kept a group of people around us all the time it was it was a mixed group too i mean it was you know it was guys and girls and some couples and some singles and there was inter you know it was the the crowds were had a flow i mean there was some that would come and go and and uh you know, it was a uh, course. You know, when you're younger, and you know all your peer group is basically carefree. You know, families or kids or stuff like that. You know, everybody's got a little bit more time to hang out. Yeah, and I, th- I mean, and there's a vast range of ages mm-hmm. among all. I think I'm, I'm maybe the youngest one in the group. Um, yeah, you know, and we've we've had some really good times. You know, and you always had. A damn disposable camera handy <laughs> to get evidence of everything, dude. I tell you what, that was that you know. And honestly, no matter how bad those photos might be, you know, of crazy things, <laughs> uh, they're incredibly fun to have. Oh yeah, you know, I, because there's a few man where I'm just like, oh my goodness, man, I can't believe somebody let me take that picture. <laughs> Well, a lot of times we weren't letting you. Oh, we yeah. were already passed out, and you started <laughs> snapping. <laughs> no, no, no. But, uh, Jut's in the bathtub again. Yeah. <laughs> How many people wound up in that bathtub, falling in that bathtub? <laughs> I'll never forget. We're, we're around the table one night, man. We're playing cards, and there's a six or eight of us there, man. There's, there's quite a few, and everybody's, of course, is having a drink and playing cards. And one of the bigger guys gets up to go to the bathroom. And he's literally gone about 15 seconds. And then all of a sudden the wall shakes because he <laughs> falls and hits, falls in the bathtub and almost knocking things off the wall. We're like, cool. What happened to Gary, man? Hang on. We go in there and that dude's like six, six and he's all like, man, I, I, I didn't realize that curtain wasn't a wall. Lean back on it. <laughs> and there he goes over the bathtub and he was all right. Oh man. We, we, you didn't go for the big deed bachelor party, did you? <laughs> you didn't. <laughs> That's one that will never die. Oh my gosh! Uh, when when James had his though, we yeah. all went. Okay. Yeah, man that that was like a, a much lighter version of the, of the one we did for Big D. That was where'd y'all go there? Same place. Oh, wow. <laughs> Only we took the scenic tour because we started we started drinking. At lunch that day, I think we left probably the day before. Y'all oh, might have. <laughs> I was a good, upstanding member of the Chamber of Commerce. I owned a business in this town. <laughs> I had, to, had heirs to keep up. Um, no, and we stopped to get beer on the way, on the way up. And uh, Judd, in his infinite wisdom, told me he said, "Hey, get that. That's the highest alcohol content you can have." All right, I'm gonna set the scene. Picture it. <laughs> this is 2004, three, no and clue. it it was uh, it was Memorial Day weekend, I think. It was end of May because it was already just ridiculously hot down here. So there's four of us packed in to Judd's GMC SUV, 
that had no air conditioning. So you're welcome. <laughs> four guys <laughs> piled into this piled into this SUV with no air conditioning. All the windows down. It was doing 75 down the interstate, and and in the back seat they start passing around Canadian Miss whiskey, and so I'm up there chugging these these six beers, trying to drink them before they get hot. Oh god! You know, then then the bottle's making its way back around to me. You know, as we're driving, so I'm I'm chasing this Canadian Miss with, with this high alcohol content beer. Now you you weren't driving doing it. Oh no, this is yeah. oh, no Jet was behind. Oh, me. Was, he, he, was was the, he was the he was the wheel man. Yeah. Yeah, you don't want me drink no. And so and I get, was not drinking by the way. Oh yeah, he was not drinking at all on the way up. We we're, that's, that's one thing overall, man. We've all been pretty good about having a oh, super responsible, right? Or something you know, we're not just like retards. True. You know? And I mean, and, and, and not a, I mean, not, I'm not trying to offend anybody by using that word. I'm oh, just saying, but I mean, people just, don't get offended here. Well, just you know, the whole we weren't very, very irresponsible. There might have been times like yeah, going from time. one house to another just to get home or something, but not now, out. We've never been right. like hauling ass down the interstate after tying one on. No. You know, we've always kind of watched out for each other. But anyway, we get we get to the city we're going to, and I've got this six pack of of bottles. Have I never told you this story before? Oh my god! We had the six pack of bottles <laughs> in between my legs. We're like, I want to get out. There's a trash can. We pulled it at a gas station. Uh, so there's a trash can right there, like 15 feet away. I'm like, I'm going to get out and throw these away. So we're not riding through the middle of the city with these beer bottles clinging between my legs. That's six open containers, you know. And so <laughs> I pop the door open in a very dangerous city. By the way. <laughs> and we were going through the heart of it too. We were we were coming in. And so I opened the door, and when I leaned to get my beer bottles, something strange happens because I don't stop. The reach just kept going until I found earth, <laughs> and I rolled my ass out of that truck. And so I'm laying, I'm laying on the on, on the 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 concrete in front of this gas station, laughing my ass off. I just fell down trying to pick up a beer bottle, a pack of beer bottles. <laughs> And I hear, hey, hang those on the ground out here. We need to put him back in the truck. And Jack comes around and says, what the fuck are you trying to do to me? And I'm like, I'm just, I was going through this way. Get your ass back in the truck. He's like, why are you jumping out of the truck? I climbed my ass back in there. And uh, we ended up getting to the hotel. And people decide to start doing other things at the hotel before we go out. Recreational things happen. And so uh, we go down to like, like the main tourist area. And we take Big D, our boy, who's his bachelor party, take him down one side of the street and back up the other, buying him shots at every bar on the way down through there. And this area is a very well-known bar area in the United States, in the South. And we wow. cleared the whole street from one end to the other. That's crazy. Oh, and he did them all. It was it was Jaeger, 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 whiskey, Jaeger. It's, it's, yeah. It wasn't like good shots. He was shooting. It was just straight stuff. It's the punch in the mouth. <laughs> so anyway, we ended up going to this restaurant. Slash bar, it's more of a bar. They're right at, right at the end of the street, and they have like 150 beers on tap. Mm, I think yeah, close to it. Yeah. Huge. The whole back of the back wall of the bar is just beer taps, and it's it's the prices range anywhere from a you know, two bucks for a pint up to thirty eight dollars for a pint, depending on what you order. Wow! Didn't didn't y'all do the rounds on them once or twice? Didn't I didn't. No, haven't you done that? Mm-mm. Oh man. No, I, I ain't that. I ain't got that. We're just too far away from. It. If I lived up there, yeah, I would have been do it. done. Yeah, <laughs> doing yeah. a weekend. That would have been done. Um, 
And so, so you're doing all these shots. Yeah, we did all those. We go to that place just to just to get a beer because we we just you know I drank beer all the way up and now we've poured alcohol on top of it. So now we decide we need more beer to even us out. And we go in there and uh, who's in there with us? We, we get in there and sit down. We look over and there are two police officers in their uniforms sitting there having having their I guess dinner or lunch or whatever it is for them. And Big D goes. I gotta get a picture with him. <laughs> we with go him. Goes, yeah. after we, all these shots. After all, and we are all <clears throat> drunk. I mean, th- there's no more. Hey, I'm kind of sober. Mm-mm. We're drunk. And I'm like, man, I probably went. Ah, I'm on, I'm going over there. And so he goes and taps. Probably you know one of the biggest black guys I've ever seen in my life. Taps him on the shoulder. Excuse me. Oh, can I get a picture with you? Well, this guy stands up and of course towers over D. You know. Reaches behind him, and pulls his handcuffs out. I'm like, oh, it's going, it's going to happen. It's going down. And so, unbeknownst to us, he said, "Will you handcuff me and take take some pictures with me?" And he slapped those cuffs on him and took pictures with him and slapped him on the back. And hey, good luck with your marriage. You know, hope hope this Ooh. night don't ruin you, which it almost did. And so, um, yeah, we ended up leaving there and somewhat sobered up. And try to find our way to a, a very well-known strip club in this city. Oh man! And uh, nobody knew how to get there, so we kind of just drove around in circles around the city until we, <laughs> till we stumbled upon it. I think we asked directions from a crackhead, and he gave him he gave Dave directions, and then tried to then got mad because Dave wouldn't buy a pocket knife from him. I mean, it was just it was just the most asinine stuff that happened. He's oh like, you're a terrible. Like a, like a really bad episode or bad movie or something. So um, we ended up making it to to the strip club and we get in there and unbeknownst to us, that weekend is the weekend of a very big PGA golf tournament. So it's all of us scumbags, ripped up jeans, <laughs> trucker hats, and everybody else in there are guys like in khakis and polos. Wow. And there is money falling from the ceiling. I mean, there is. Uh, I, I had never seen that much money in the air in my entire life. They were throwing handfuls of money up on the stage. And if you could see what was happening on stage, you would know why they were throwing that much money up there. It was wow. stuff I really don't want to get into. So we, we stayed there. <laughs> so we stayed there. We stayed there for a couple of hours, maybe. And then we, we heard an announcement. Everybody with a big D party, please go to the front of them. like, Who's died? You know, because they, they called this guy out by name, and if you were in his party, you needed to come to the front of the club. And so we get up there, and apparently one of the guys we were with had started some stuff with some guys who were part of the Sinaloa cartel or something, and we had to go in and get up and leave because something was said about their ethnicity or or how good-looking their sister was or something. It made them, made them very, very mad. I know it was ethnicity thing. They weren't, they weren't that way. But anyway, we made it back that night to the hotel. And the next morning, I woke up. The sheets were off Big D's bed wrapped around his head. He was wearing them like a turban. <laughs> he had the fitted sheet off his bed wrapped around his head. And there were just bodies laying everywhere. It looked like Jonestown the day after. Like everyone was just gone. And so we get up and we add one more person to judge trucks. Now there's five instead of four of us in there. 
coming back down here. And uh, I'm like, God damn it. I have to do all this stuff we had to eat. You know, and we're, everybody's like, God, I'm so hungry. What do we, we got to find somewhere to stop. Getting, and we're all still, you know, not 100%. And um, as we're going out of town, there's a crystals there. And for those who don't know, crystals is like the White Castle of the South. And, and most of them are 24 hours open. And it's like some of the best hangover or drunk food you can have. And I'm like, oh, there's a crystal. Let's pull into crystals. Because there was no one. This was on Sunday morning at 11 o'clock. Pull into crystals. Pull into crystals. We ordered like 38 crystals. I mean, we had a sack, this huge sack full of crystals. Yeah. And so we start tearing through them, and they're gone before we even get out of the city. <laughs> okay. We were like seven burgers yeah, away. Yeah, we we tore through those things so quick. And so, Judd's driving, Dave's in the front, there's three of us in the back, okay? And we've got the bag back there, and I'm putting all the cartons back into it. Dave goes, hand me that bag. (laughs) (laughs) In his Dave voice. Love you, Dave. And Dave reaches back, I hand it to him, and he rolls the window down and just... (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> we're still in town. We're not. We're not even out onto the interstate yet. Okay, that that bag, that bag, dead center of town. I mean, we're yeah. we're going through town. He throws that bag and hits the car of a county sheriff. Sheriff Debbie sitting there, reading the paper. Hit his car, bounced off. He didn't move. If he had pulled us over, we would have went to jail. Dang. Oh my gosh, that was insane! But yeah, that was that. That's the story of Big D's bachelor party. Well, y'all would have went to jail. I would have just shot myself right there. <laughs> that's, that's hilarious, man! That's oh hilarious. my gosh, yeah, that was that was that. And then some people ended up almost losing girlfriends slash wives because all their money was gone from from between between uh, all the alcohol we bought. For Big D, and then all the lap dances. Um, some people, some people got, some people slept out in the doghouse when they got back home. I was not one of them. There was a lot of lap dances back then. I no, know. what? Not us. I'm just saying. Man. <laughs> there's a there's a phrase that we used to use that we used to um, have this little abbreviation for. We used to call it TNT. And I won't say what that means, but I mean, it was, <laughs> we would go one place for something and then we'd go to another place for another something else, but we would have to go out of town and we'd just say, hey man, we're going to go do TNT. And, right. and that was so. Yeah, the last time that we were going to go do something, um, one of these two gentlemen, I'm not going to name who, Harpoon, was the one that wrote a permission slip to my wife. <laughs> Will you please let Hango go out with us? I promise he will be a good boy. I will watch him the entire time. It, it was, she thought was hilarious. And of course she said, she said, you can go anytime you want. I don't care. That was a pretty cool, pretty cool thing back then. I think, man, did you, I mean, you started that jet or was that James? That, that was, that was James. James. Started? Oh, James. Yeah. He would hand them things out. Permission slips. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Cause back in the day, man, I mean, you know, of course, like I said, we were just full blown wide open. And every once in a while, you'd want to have a date night. Right. You know? And then he'd be, be breaking balls because he'd be like, oh, you're going out with your girl. Oh, okay. And you know, maybe two nights in a row or something. And all of a sudden, he'd be like, let me write you a note, man. Ask your permission. <laughs> see if she'll let you go. 
Then he'd make you keep it, man. He's like, if you don't present this to me anytime I ask for it, man, you got to kill a beer on sight or something like that. What oh, was it? What he used to make? What was? Because um, he'd want to. He because he'd make put this in your put this in your wallet, man. Yeah, it was <laughs> it was permit it was a permission slip for coming out and drinking with him. Yeah, it was like, uh, and if you didn't, then the next time you did, it was a bottle, it was just like of what his choosing. Like, all right, we're going to sit down and we're going to do shots until one or both of us pass out. That man, I'm telling you what. Dude. You absolutely had to do it. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. if you didn't, it was it was twice as much the next time. <laughs> so, And he had, he, had the, he had a very special skill of, of finding something, some little something you didn't like or, or something, something that you were embarrassed of. And, man, he would just – Dig into that, like picking at a scab. Just, oh, what's wrong with you now? You don't like why I say that? You know, he just, ah, ha, ha, ha. yeah, look, dude. I, uh, this is our buddy James. He he passed away a few a few few years back now, and he was like the best. I mean, give you a hard time about everything, just aggravating. But man, if you asked him for help, or if he knew you needed help, man, you didn't have to ask him. He, like you said, you know. In his eulogy, you know, there was times when you, he'd, he'd come up, come out of the restaurant to hang out and you'd get hit. Mm-hmm. And, man, he'd throw an apron on right back to work. No question. Yeah. Yeah, he definitely, man, was one of those dive-in head-first guys to help you out, man. That's, that, was, that was always great. Well, he was a dive-in head-first guy on anything. Yeah. If he, if he, was, gonna, if he was the kind of guy, if he was going to go swimming, he's going to get wet. He didn't, he didn't play around with it. And it was kind of a younger period of our life, you know, and we were, it was kind of a, kind of a fraternity hazing Type, <laughs> you know, because there's a bunch of bunch of ball breaking and a bunch of you gotta drink this, boy, you know, type of attitudes, and it just, you know, next thing you know, somebody's making out on the front porch, man. It happens. What are you gonna say? Some of those people are married now. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh man, That's great. Yeah, I mean he. I, I, I miss. I mean, I knew James nowhere near as long as y'all did, but man, you didn't have to get to know him very much at all. Either he liked you or he didn't. And most folks, he, he loved. I mean, talking about you know getting a bear hug, that guy he didn't know personal space. If he saw you, man, he he scooped you up, give you a big. I mean, even as big as I am, James made me feel like a toddler. He just wrap him arms around you and squeeze on you. He was a gorilla, and he he was great and a hell of a cook. This episode of The Hango Show is brought to you by Ebels.com. Ebels.com has premium CBD products sourced from American farmers for all your pain management needs. Liquid CBD in a variety of dosage amounts, and my personal favorite, their CBD freeze gel. I've got aches and pains from old sports injuries and everyday activities, but Ebels freeze gel knocks them out cold. So visit Ebels.com and use the discount code HANGO for 15% off your purchase. That's ebles.com, E-A-B-L-E-S.com. I guess I got a, I got a news article here if y'all want to hear it. Are you familiar with the San Jose Sharks NHL hockey team? Okay. Okay. San Jose Sharks forward Yvette Evander, Evander Kane filed for bankruptcy. According to multiple reports, two, two years after signing a seven-year, $49 million contract, Per the Athletic, the 29-year-old Chapter 7 filing list liabilities of $26.8 million. It also, it also lists payment of 
$1.5 million to the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas for unpaid gambling debt and $1.8 million counterclaim of the 2016 battery charge. He also claims seven dependents living with him. His six-month-old daughter, 27-year-old sister, his mother, father, two uncles, and a grandmother. The filing also noted that Kane may opt out of the NHL season, quote, because of health concerns given the recent birth of his first child. If he does so, he would not be paid. Though he pointed to the stolen 56 games state, shortened 56-game season as a potential issue for paying off his debts. So this kid, That's how old is he? 29. 29, you know, and he's filing bankruptcy on $26.8 million, and he's got a contract of $49 million over the next few years. That's crazy. Have you, have you seen the uh, ESPN thing broke? Uh, they did a 30 for 30 called, called Broke, and it's about all these athletes. You know, they finished their career. Even before they finished their career, they don't have any more money anymore. You know, and it's – you see guys like Bernie Kosar, his parents took everything while he was making it. He said at one point he had like 12 cell phones in his name, and he didn't even have a cell phone for himself. I mean, he was propping up his entire family. And then some guys were just – Keeping up with the Joneses. You know, some guy would come pull up in the Lexus one day at practice. The next day, you had to come in in a Corvette. Well, the next day, that guy had to come in in a Lambo. The next day, that guy had to come in in a Ferrari. You know, it was just one thing after another after another. So, yeah, I mean, I don't I, – I, I've got a friend of mine. Uh, he got drafted back in, like, 2001 or two in uh, Major League Baseball draft as a pitcher. And he he got he, he got drafted, um, <clears throat> and uh, so he, I think he had a one year contract uh, when they got when he got drafted. And after that one year contract, they let him go. But he was able to keep uh, working in the independent leagues. There's a lot of little independent leagues that aren't tied to uh, MLB teams that anybody can pull off of. So for you know 15 years, he pitched. In the independent leagues. And he would come home after the season was over, end of the summer, he came home working the furniture factory. You know, and he had, and he still had his signing bonus money from when he got drafted. He just socked it away. And he said they had a financial advisor come in and talk to them about how to handle their money. You know, and, and while he was doing this, he was also getting his master's degree in college. So he, he was continuously trying to find something to better himself. Hustler. You know, and he just he set that signing bonus money aside to grow interest. So he's going to retire on. He's a school teacher now and a coach. You know, I, I did, it's it's sad to see people who have all that cash worked that hard for so long to get in the NHL or any any kind of pro uh, pro league, and then they end up with nothing. I've yep. seen uh, I've seen a couple of uh, Mike Tyson interviews. Where he was talking about how much money, you know, at one point in time he was had or was making or whatever, and and how he just blew through it, you know, buying tigers and yeah, that's uh, crazy. You know? I mean, we we talked, you know, of course like everybody does about winning the lottery or something. I mean, I I think I would keep working, you know. Nah. <laughs> you gonna pull the ripcord online? Yeah, be done no, with I'm it? out. See ya. You know, but I mean, I really enjoy my job. You know, it's, it's fulfilling to me. I mean, I know people that people think, oh, you just you just drive, 
you know, yeah, but I, I mean, I, I think I'm, I'm contributing something to society. I'm trying to help, you know, save people's lives. But you know, of course, the wife said, "Ain't no damn way she's gonna keep working." I mean, she wants out of that. Out of the, it's not as bad now since she changed jobs. Yeah, but um, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't mind doing some vacationing, sure, for a little while, you know, whatnot. But I mean, dude, to be uh, Kurt Schilling was talking about when he got signed by the Red Sox. You know, he sat in a in a hotel room, ordering room service, watching TV, just handing out money. Room service. I mean, he was a nineteen year old, eighteen, nineteen year old kid. He didn't know anything about about money. Mm-hmm. You know, this is when, when Messa was here. So I meant to bring up with her. At a certain point, I mean, I know anybody can learn anything in school, no matter what it is. Uh, well, I mean, I mean, no, I mean, people can can learn stuff. I failed a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm at a certain point. You see a kid who's just not excelling at school. Can't you say, hey, man? You're thinking about trying welding, or carpentry, you know, or some kind of s- skill, <coughs> or even teaching basic life skills. You know, this is how you make a shopping list. This is how you balance bank account. Yeah, this is how you file your taxes. You know, but they used to uh, teach you how to fill out a like a an, e- an EZ form, right? In school, they used to teach you how to address an envelope, how to read a clock. You know, I like that. I've had kids that work for me, man, can't read a clock. Yeah. I got like an analog clock. They got no yeah. clue. They're like, man, I don't know. Well, everything I've ever seen is digital. I was like, boy, I'm fixing a headlock. You, <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean, man? Come on. No, I, I think, you know, I mean, it's be like the the working class enemy, man. But when I make money, I want to hang on to that as long as I can. It's just, I want to pack it away, you know. Um, well, being an entrepreneur. Okay, we've all had independent businesses, you know, and, and, and having that drive, you know, you, you, you have to understand money management, you know, so you have to have a basic understanding of the money that's passing through your hands, how that's going to wind up paying your bills, not just your fun money, you know. Um, you know, everybody all of a sudden, you know, is going to make a little bit of money and you're going to think, you know, hey, all my bills are paid and I'm fixing to go – you know, I'm just kick it up a notch, you know. Well, think about these kids that are making millions of dollars, you know, playing, you know, 19, 20, 25. I mean, golly, if I had a lot of money back when I was in my early 20s, I'd have lost it too. I'd you still know? be in jail. <laughs> <laughs> right up your nose. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you know, now we've, 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 we've lived through things, and we see the value of uh, – Financial stability, mm. you know, where then everything was just fun. Well, I think, you know, that's – we were talking one night, you know, and y'all used to come to my house before I met the wife. I had a pretty Spartan experience. You know, I beer, bologna, bread, uh, had no satellite, had no internet. You know, it was just me and that cow pasture, you know, and I and – it, I was happy. I was totally content. Everything I was getting, I was putting back into the business or doing this or doing that, you know. And I think a lot of people don't realize that owning a business uh, isn't all sunshine, rainbows, and vacations. When's the last time you took a vacation? It's like a real vacation. Uh, about two and a 
and a half years. Yeah. Something like that. You right. know, I used to, you know, I used to, to, um, have a lot less financial responsibility. Right. You know, and now, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I guess, you know, everything's got a home, you know, or, or especially man, the last year or so, you know, we've, we've pulled back to half work time, you know, mm. it's, you know, it's even more, you know, a little more tight now, but, um, yeah, you know, you, you keep in, you keep reinvesting, you keep making sure the doors are open. Right. That you know, you, you can't be a quitter. Um, you can't you can't quit, man, when it gets hard because it's going to get hard. It's going to be you know you're going to be like, you know, that envelope over there that's supposed to go for the gas bill, man, is a little fatter than the one over here for the electric bill, and I need a little money out of the electric bill, and you know, so I mean, out of the gas bill, whatever. I'm just saying that, yeah, you can't you have to be able to pay your bills first. You know, um, and 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 these kids that are playing these these ball games, it's a ball game that right. they're playing or a game of some sort, and and they're getting paid these huge amounts of money and and buying these cars. And of course, man, you know when you're young and rich, I mean, you can only imagine, you know, the 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 girls that would be thrown at you mm. or the opportunities to go and party and see these things and go. You know, I mean, it would be it would be hard to figure out, hey, how much is my gas bill? How much is the electric bill? You wouldn't care. You know, yeah, that's what um, my my friend who who's a pitcher said. You know that they called them cleat chasers. You know, after at home game, way game don't matter. When they got done with the game, at the locker room got changed, everything they were leaving, there'd be a line of them. You know, and uh, man, it, that's another thing. It's it's hard to find somebody. It's it. You know, I've been out of the dating pool for almost 15 years now, you know? And so even back when I was dating and stuff, it was hard to find somebody decent that was actually honest with you, you know? And that was before Tinder or, or any other date, even before social media. You actually had to nut up and go over and ask a girl out yeah. and talk to her, you know? <laughs> <laughs> now you're not just some, you know, That's emoji. why we drank so much. <laughs> yeah. Get that liquid courage. Uh, that's, no, I mean it was. Um, you know, I met my wife through Judd's wife, mm-hmm. you know, or his. It was his his girlfriend at the time, you know. Um, and I, man, I'd been around some dogs. I mean, just horrible, horrible <laughs> people. They, they were. They were some of the. Some of them were terrible. I mean, just god awful. Because this would happen. They would say, "Oh, he owns a business. He must have money." Yeah. They don't understand. Like you were just talking about that business, the, the balance, you know. You need money to live, but you have to put more money back into that business to actually keep it going. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like it's a never-ending just cycle, and they think that you're just, you know, got fat stacks. You know, you're doing the harpoon, harpoon power stack that that he did playing <laughs> pokers. <laughs> he would hold one chip in his hand, in each hand, and then just pile more into his hand, just nonstop. <laughs> you hear it from yep. across the room, click, 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 click. The power stack. That's funny. Yeah, I mean, but it was you know, I mean, we. I really looked up looked up with the woman I got. Yeah, both y'all guys, man. Y'all. Well, let's not speak so fast about that one. Uh, <laughs> You're amazing, and I love you. I love you, Fancy. You're the best. You know, but I mean, I, I mean, I've got a number of friends who who've you know 
been cut up or, or, uh, you know, just, just had terrible, t- terrible, terrible relationships, you know? And, um, yeah, I, I really lucked up with the one I got because she puts up with a lot of bullshit for me. I'll, I'm oh, glad to say it. Golly. Do what? You know, she does. <laughs> <laughs> That's great though. I mean, y'all know who you know, y'all know each other, you know, all, you know, you know where your heart is and you know where, you know, y'all have lived through things. That's great. I mean, she's really the one that really got me to understand that, hey, you need to take a vacation. I haven't been on vacation in years, you know. If I left the state, I was lucky. Um, but she's the one that got me into, like, you know, they make these things called airplanes that you can get on and take trips to and do stuff, you know. And so when I realized, you know, hey, you don't have to stay at home for a vacation. You can actually leave the state or leave the country, you know, go see something new. So, I mean, she taught me how to how to relax in a way, you know, which I really hadn't. If I had a weekend off, I felt like I was blessed for that. Yeah, you know? Absolutely. Y'all used to do some uh, some really incredible trips. Um, both of you guys, man, y'all y'all have done quite a quite a few trips. I mean, tell us uh, what do you think, man? The the uh, most dangerous fun time was, man. Are you interviewing y'all... us now? No, I'm just. I, I mean, I, this is a, sir. This is called the Hango Show. This is just a fun thing, man. That y'all did, man. I was just that. I'm sure everybody would like most to know dangerous about place. It. Oh, that that when when y'all were over there in Ireland, right. You know, y'all went to go over there, man. I mean, what was the, what do you think, man, the edgiest thing of that trip was? Uh, you, you witnessing the purse snatcher? <laughs> <laughs> Have you heard that story? Uh, <laughs> I realized, man, they were showing the violence going on over there. Yeah, we, I'll set it up, uh, unless you want to do it. I, I, I think I can remember most of that one. Yeah. Um, I had gotten up really early one morning. Uh, just to walk around kind of the square where we were staying, just around, like, we were center of Dublin. And uh, I took off early one morning before any of them were even out of bed, just with my camera walking around, getting shots or whatever. And uh, I'll go down this one little street, and, of course, the bars are open. So Because it's Ireland. I see this lady come flying out of a door and rounds the corner and just... All in ass. I'm like, what the hell is going on? And three other people come out the door chasing her down the street, and another guy sees it happen and just takes off after her too because they're like, get her! So she's apparently taken off with somebody's purse out of this bar. So Early morning. Early morning. Like this, No kidding, this is like 9 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> 9 a.m. So I'm just snapping pictures, and I see this lady. And I didn't even think to take pictures at the time. I was so I was in shock. The max is so shot. Like, what is going on here? I didn't. I forgot I had a camera. So no shots of the incident whatsoever. But yeah, um, she gets tackled um, by three people. Purse goes flying out. Things all over the place, and they just go pick up the purse, fill it back up with the woman's stuff, and leave her. Like, n- nobody does anything. Wow. Give the purse back to the lady, and they carry on about their day. I was like... Now that was about as win-win as it would come. Yeah, that <laughs> I mean... Lady who got tackled to just be tackled, and then that's it? That was it. 
That's pretty. They just, I mean, there's her, but I, terrible things she did. Yeah, it was horrible. But they just kind of they just got their stuff back because that's all they wanted. They didn't want to hurt the woman. But you know, can you imagine that happening here? <laughs> She'd have been shot in the back forty times. <laughs> No, I can't think of anything really dangerous. When we when we got back from Cliffs of Moore, they dropped us off at there. That place looked kind of sketchy, you know, because we didn't know this. But when we went to Ireland, they were in the middle of a of a heroin epidemic. Like they're like they were watching the news. They had like a two hour special one night on their national news, and they're like, and at this train stop, three people were stabbed. They're like that's the one right outside of our apartment. <laughs> it was the mm-hmm. train stop right outside of our apartment. Like two weeks beforehand. People got stabbed over a heroin deal. And you're like, where did we come to? But Dublin is like any other big city. It's got problems, you know. But, like, um, uh, I don't know, man. Like, people talk about how dangerous, like, the Bahamas is when we're down there. I, I don't see it. Even going downtown by myself, I've never felt in danger at all. Um, when we go to, like, to Jamaica, I don't go out as much. Just because Jamaica has had decades of political violence down there. The two major political parties getting like gunfights, like AKs and stuff. Jeez. Um, so I really don't venture out much there. We went because we stayed in um, Ocho Rios once. And then the one time that I actually left down there was on the south coast of Jamaica, an area called uh, White House. There's a place there called Belmont. And it's there's nobody out there. It's like super rural Jamaica, and you you walk out of the gates there and walk maybe a quarter mile down the down the road, and there's like um, a rum stand, like a daiquiri stand on the side of the road. You can get you a daiquiri there or whatever, you know. But as far I never went out in the cities there just because you just don't know, yeah. you know. Um, I can't think of anything really sketchy in Ireland though, because the countryside's gorgeous. No. So yeah. how, how close to the edge did you guys get when you were out there? Which, the, which edge? I mean, the the, the cliffs. The cliffs. Oh, well, they have, they have like gates up. You don't yeah, go so far. But, oh, well, okay. where we were standing, the gate was only 15 feet yeah. from the edge of the cliff. So, I mean, we were close. So y'all were there. Yeah, we were really close. Was it loud? It was windy. It was windy. Super, super windy. windy. Super windy. Sure, I mean, those cliffs are probably, what, 1,000 feet? Yeah, they're. More? I, I mean, they're huge. You can look it up they've online. Got, yeah, I don't. I don't um, know the exact feet, but um, they're. It's yeah, it's tall. So you get the whole. It's right there along the west coast of Ireland. Well, the waves are just coming in off the sea and hitting it. Of course, that's causing just all this updraft. Uh, Connor told us that one of the guys he had on a tour group. He had like a hat on, and the wind came up and knocked his hat off and went over the edge of the cliff. Said, oh my hat! It's like. Five seconds later, his hat came back up and went over, came back over the fence. He was able to get it. What? And the water, the wind swirls that much yeah. up there. Well, it does that when it's raining too. It blows right. the it blows the rain up mm-hmm. off the side of the cliff. Yeah, wow. <laughs> we were leaving the cliffs at that golf course right there next to the cliffs. And I was like, "Could you imagine playing there?" And you're like, "Hell no!" He goes, "As bad as my slices, my ball would play go straight playing because <laughs> the wind was just blowing everywhere. It might actually straighten my shot." <laughs> Do they play a lot of golf over there? Uh, yeah, <laughs> a lot. I mean, it was invented in Scotland. It's right next door, you know. Yeah, so I guess they do. Um, but yeah, that Ireland was a cool, cool trip. I wish we would actually spent more time, you know, 
going around. You, you spend a lot of time by yourself out in the city in the mornings doing photography and stuff. Yeah, I, I tried to get out as much as possible and just take shots of whatever I thought was interesting or cool, which was everything. Yeah, uh, being in a new place like that, but um, you don't think about when you're in a place like it's very weird because I never thought danger when I was there at all. No, I, I thought I could walk down any place and be just fine. It was it, it was a weird experience like that because I'd never been in a city that big and felt, you know, just I can do whatever I want, you know, nope, yeah. whatever. And uh, this is lack of knowledge. I mean, because we know. Yeah, really. That's what it was. There's it was cities just, close to us, like bigger was, metropolitan it, areas. You know, there's certain areas you don't go into. Yeah. You know, it was t- it was tunnel vision. You know, yeah. I, I saw this and I was like, oh, squirrel. <laughs> Picture time. Yeah. And meanwhile, there were probably people walking around me just cussing me because I was just standing in the, on the sidewalk with a camera. Like, you idiot, you're in my way. What are you doing? I was just trying to get a picture. <laughs> I think I've ever told you, like, on the crosswalks there, it says, please look right. They've had so many Americans get hit by cars. They, go, they always look left to see when cars are coming. Oh, wow. And the cars yeah. come from the right in Ireland. So they had so many Americans get splattered by cars. It's a good thing they did put those <laughs> Do you remember? Do you remember the guy on the bike almost biting that bus? No, you don't remember that. <laughs> we were walking. It was by uh, uh, Christ Church, uh huh, downtown, and uh, this guy comes flying in uh, through through the little crosswalk there, and this bus is coming on the other side of a bus that's parked, so he can't see it, and he flies around that one bus on the corner, and this bus is turning. It's <laughs> <laughs> <He's> like. <laughs> It was. I thought he was dead. I he he made it. He made oh, it. Didn't man. didn't wreck. But my God, he could like the bumper of that bus had to touch his back tire, and I thought it was over for him. But he absolutely made it. We're gonna like, see a death. Man. There you go. You know, there was a, a time where um, you know we we've been to uh, uh, New York. And right. uh, for different competitions and stuff. And then um, up there, you know, of course, man, you're just walking around the city. There's so much going on. And, uh, you know, it's just constant. There's a, a lot of different restaurants and sites and people. There's a lot of action, a lot of, a lot of stuff moving. And, um, you know, so you, so you feel real comfortable, you know, taking a walking tour, basically, uh, you know, of, of everywhere. There was just hours and hours, nothing but walking and, and just seeing sights. Well, uh, a year or two later, uh, we go out to L.A. And um, we're there for a competition. And and uh, we decide that we're going to leave our hotel and just get out and go walk and see the city. You know? Well, it didn't take long, man, for us to get into a spot where I thought, hey, man, let's turn around. Let's, let's move back. A little closer to the hotel. I don't think this is like a sightseeing place. <laughs> There's some shady looking people, you know, that are, uh, you know, looking at us like licking their chops, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So we did. We, that was one thing I didn't uh, really like about that area. Everything was so spread out. You know, we wanted to, of course, uh, back then, you know, we were just taking cabs everywhere because that's what we had done in, in New York. We'd just gone over and just taken a cab to go see the Empire State or go mm-hmm. take a cab to go over to this other part of the city or whatever. So we just went as soon as we got to L.A., we just were like, hey, man, let's let's go check out 
let's go check out the beach one day. So that's yeah. what we're like, yeah, sure. So here we go. We're like, okay, we got our um, our blanket, you know, our, our, our towel and our shorts and everything, and we're just going to go to the beach. So we call downstairs and get a, a taxi brought over, and they're like, okay, man, we want to go to like Venice Beach or we want to go somewhere into a really cool beach here. So we get there, the guy's like, okay, man, that'll be like 60 bucks <laughs> for his cab ride. And I'm like, cool, dude. I, I mean, okay, but, dude, I won't have the first cent for a beer or anything. You know, one of us has to pay to come here. One of us has to pay to get us home. And we're both after, I mean, we're just, you know, it's like, oh, man, I wasn't prepared for a $60 one way. Yeah, Ellie's <laughs> not a, it's not a walking city for sure. Yeah. You know, everybody in LA drives. Um, you've you've encouraged me a number of times to go to New York. You seem to really like it up there. What's what's so great about it? Just that you can find anything you need, or just like the city, or what? It's it's real compact. You know, well, Manhattan. Okay, I'm so like Times Square type. Got gotcha. you. Look, you know, you got these big, huge billboard type signs that are got a lot of stuff going on. There's uh, all this course is pre pandemic. But, you know, you'd be walking down the street and, and would literally have the most wide variety of humans mm. walking with you and, uh, you know, against the traffic, you know. So it'd be a flow. You'd be intermingling with a lot of different looks. Um, there was a lot. There was a there was kind of a uniform look, you know. There was kind of a, you know, a little bit more upscale than there would be here in our local town, you know. But. Uh, and then there's like the, the variety of foods, right? You know, I love eating the street vendor hot dogs and the sandwiches that are made right there in front of you and they, you can just smell them and each block is so wide. It's, it's, I would say like a, I don't know, maybe, a, uh, not it's maybe an eighth of a mile, right? Huge blocks. You know I mean? It's, it's, and I don't know, maybe that's a, a, a bad description of a, of a, but anyway, they're big blocks. So after you walk four or five of them, or after I walk four or five of them, I'm ready to get a beer and a hot dog. <laughs> you know, so so you're constantly stopping and grabbing a beer, right? You know, and then like, hey man, there's a food vendor over there. Let's see what he's got. You know, and maybe they're you know he's got something different. But there's definitely something about a New York street hot dog that is definitely in my top favorite foods. Yeah. You know, plus there's there's so much um, there's a lot of history. You know, there's a lot of uh, museums and things like that 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 you can go. Um, I love to, uh, to to go to museums. That's something that I just found out that uh, that I liked here in the last few years. You know, uh, lady I've been seeing, man, she's a um, she loves to go to museums, and she's kind of got me turned on to it. You know, because right. I, I you know we've been to several. And uh, that's just one thing that I never really knew that I liked, you know, because I just never took the time go, you know, as much as I would now. Now, I, you know, if I go to a city or somewhere, I'm like, you know, well, let me go check out the the art and the history and kind of some of the stuff, man, other than just, hey, where's the beer, you know? Or, yeah. That's something that I wish we had more time for. I think in Ireland, we only spent five days, you know, and from the time we got there to the time we left, the girls had said, we're getting going to do this this day we're going to do this this day we're, there was really no time just to just to, to walk unless you did like jut and got up early in the morning mm-hmm. you know when we got up in the morning the wife handed me an itinerary this is what we're doing today i guess i'm along for the ride then you know i wish we'd had time i wish we had a chance to spend more time out in the countryside 
because it's gorgeous. I mean, it's, it's breathtaking out there. Um, and when we go to the Bahamas, it's or, or Jamaica, really. But the Bahamas, necessarily, um, we go to an all-inclusive, and we stay in Nassau, which is like the capital of the Bahamas. So there's, I mean, everything we would want is at the resort. We really have no reason to leave the resort. But I like Nassau. I like the city. It's it's if I had a chance to live anywhere, it'd probably be Nassau. Really? Just yeah, dude. It's just it's just, just the laid back, uh, laid back atmosphere there. You know, I don't know how anybody gets anything done down there because I, I wouldn't be able to work for looking at everything around me because it's just gorgeous. It's a gorgeous country, great people, just you know, salt of the earth people. Hmm. Um, of course, most of them in Nassau, are, most of those guys are, are bankers or they work in hospitality. Banking is really big in Nassau. But, I mean, there are some islands that are mostly farmers, you know, lime orchards and lemon orchards, stuff like that. Um, yet nobody really gets into – nobody really fights there. You know, everybody's kind of just laid back and relaxed. In Nassau, there's a big Greek community. Um, uh, Greece has actually got a consulate in Nassau because so many Greeks uh, moved to Nassau for the sponge industry. Is it like a similar climate? Uh, no, I mean, the Bahamas is you know, throughout the coast of Florida. It's more humid. But they had an abundance of sponge. So all these Greek um, sponge farmers came to Nassau and started doing sponge farming from their boats there in Nassau. But with the invention of, synth- of synthetic sponges now, they're not – a lot the families stayed there. You know, there's like a huge Greek Orthodox church. Right in the middle, right close to downtown Nassau, they have a they have like a, a Greek week in Nassau. Uh, they have like they have all the Greek food and stuff, like a big festival. But yeah, it's just it's it's a cool city. Um, you can get there if you live in the south, especially. You can get there relatively cheap. I mean, we leave from a small regional airport and fly to Atlanta. You get to Atlanta, you can go to anywhere in the world you want to. I mean, it's the busiest airport in the world. We go from a small regional to Atlanta couple hour layover maybe and we're in nassau if we leave at six in the morning we're in nassau by 12 by lunch you know and it's the flights are super affordable and like i said with the it, it's cheaper for us to go to the all-inclusive in nassau than it is to go to a hotel and stay in florida and pay for all of our food and drink out of pocket it's cheaper for us to go to to an all-inclusive for a week in nassau than to go to key west for a week and pay for food and drink individual from the hotel wow i mean it's, it's a steal and um, to my food, one of my favorite foods there is conch. I got turned on to conch when I was there. The the swirly shelled big you know, conch shell. Mm-hmm. They they pull that whatever that mollusk lives in there, like an oyster. They pull that out and they cook that thing any way you want to cook it. That they 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 make fritters out like a like a hush puppy with conch in it. They they score it and fry it. My favorite thing is they make a conch salad. There's a plate. There's a little stand underneath the bridge going over to Atlantis to Paradise Island. Underneath that bridge is a guy who's got a, a conch salad stand. He'll walk up there. He's got like plastic cups. You know, how many you want? I just want one. Lettuce. Put a little bit of, you know, just like uh, uh, diced tomatoes in there. He's got a, got a chain. He pulls that chain up and, and gets the conch out of the water. Pops it open. Cuts it up. Throws it on your salad. little lemon juice. And man, you can't beat it. Wow. And according to the Bahamians, the conch is like a um, a natural Viagra. 
Yeah, I'm not going to disclose the the study the studies I did about that, <laughs> but they were a success. <laughs> I can live anywhere. I'd live. <laughs> Come on, Kyle. <laughs> Viagra of the sea. Yeah, but, I mean it's the Bahamas are just great, and people forget about them. Uh, they don't think about the Bahamas, you know. Um, but it, it being so close, I mean, Cuba's 90 miles from us. The first island of the Bahamas is 70 miles from Florida. I mean, it's so close to us. And um, and plus, you go there, the Bahamas or Jamaica, really anywhere in in the Caribbean where England used to have control, um, you meet a lot of people from England, Scotland that come there to vacation. So you know, it's we'll get there. We met a, a really nice couple last time we went down there. We went to the Exumas, the outer islands of the Bahamas. Last time we went down there, and met just the greatest couple from England. Spent all week, all week just hanging out with them, you know, with our little group. And they were just the nicest people. It's just, it's great that you can go, you know, just, you're not going far at all from the U.S. and you meet people from from, from Europe and England and everywhere else. Um, so, yeah, I think the Caribbean's terribly underrated for vacation spots. It's harder for people from the West Coast. People from the West Coast usually go to Hawaii, whatever. But, I mean, I mean, we are, you know, with flights and layovers, we're six hours from, from paradise. You know, if you want to go to Jamaica, from Atlanta, it's like four hours. I mean, it's super close. Um, Where do they check your passport? Um, when you're when you're coming back from down there, if you go to Nassau, they have got U.S. Customs at the airport in Nassau, and they they do your your total customs and everything before you even get on the plane to come back to the U.S. There, so when you land in the U.S., it's like coming off a domestic flight. Right. You you walk off the plane and you go right to your car or to your connected flight. There's no customs or anything. Um, if you if you go through Exuma, <laughs> the airport of Exuma is smaller than my house. That gives you any idea how small it is. Uh, of course, they have. It's got Gilligan and the professor. Gary <laughs> <laughs> and a ginger out there with flags, man, getting people in the coconut radio, baby. Um, yeah, I mean that, that's the one thing keeping us from going back down to the, to the Exumas. Is their airport is so stinking small, and they have so so many. They have just very limited flights going there, so it's hard to kind of line up. You know, when you're trying to get to Atlanta before that flight leaves that day to, to go to Exuma, because it's one flight there, one flight back every day. That's it. And so, um, uh, yeah, that's that's the upside of going to Nassau is that you get all your cousin stuff out of the way even before you're on a plane to come back. Uh, Jamaica, it's not that way. When you get back, when you come back into the states from Jamaica, you gotta go through U.S. Customs in Miami or Atlanta or Charlotte or wherever you're coming back in at. It seems like that would be a a bigger pain to do that here. It. I think what sucked the first first time we went to uh, the first time we went to Jamaica, we got there at noon on a Friday. That's when every plane from around the world was landing in Jamaica, apparently. We stood in line at customs for probably an hour and a half. I mean, the line was wrapped around it, but guess what? Hango got drunk on the plane, so he didn't care. If if you ever go to the Caribbean, let me tell you something. The plane flight down there is a party plane. Really? Oh, yeah. Because everybody's going on vacation. Who's going, who's going to the Bahamas on a Thursday? It's people, there's a bunch of drunks like me trying to get away for a weekend. You know, so I mean, so on the way down to Jamaica that time, the the 
the flight attendant we had, man, she was up there. She was the shakers going. She was she was making cocktails for everybody. She was throwing beer and peanuts at people. I mean, dude, she was pouring so many drinks. It was one after another after another. She was fixing me. Uh, I was screwdrivers and gin and tonics all the way for four hours. Wife was asleep, so she wakes up to me just full in a really good mood. <laughs> You know, when we get off the plane and the woman who was sitting behind us, who was really annoying, it's a drunk Karen. And she comes in, she drops her, she brought her drink off the plane and then dropped it. We're walking to customs and ice went everywhere. I look at the wife and I said, ain't you ain't that drunk? She didn't think it was that funny. But yeah, that was, uh, I thought something I wanted to ask you, Harpoon. Um, You've dabbled in the world of conspiracy theories. What's what's your what's your favorite conspiracy theory? Is um, it aliens? You know, man. I, it, uh, go ahead. No, go ahead. That's what. What lane do you like to to look at? Um, what's my favorite? I don't know. <laughs> you know, I I, I I find a lot of them interesting. Oh yeah, you know I, I find I find there's a lot of interesting things, um, <coughs> but um, I, I really think you know that that uh, that there'll be some sort of a disclosure of alien um, contact or some sort of something. I think will be coming in the near future, like this year or probably this year. Ten years? I, no, I think I think man, there's there's so many moving parts. Um, that are loose right now, just in the world. I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of stuff. You know, there's just so much crazy stuff going on. Why not go ahead and throw the aliens thing out there right now? Anyway, I mean, that's the final boss of the pandemic. I mean, you know, yeah. why, why not? While everybody else is already tripped out, let them trip out. You know, why wait? <laughs> Push them over the edge. Why, why wait till everything settles back down and then trip them out? Right. I don't know. But are you into conspiracy theory at all? I don't think we've ever talked about the conspiracy theory. I'm, I'm kind of, I, I find them interesting. You know, some, some different thoughts about other things and how they all come together and kind of make sense, but maybe not. Um, I'm, I don't stay up to date on any, you know, any one thing really. But I do find them interesting when I do sit down and check them out. Uh, but I don't dive real deep into it. Gotcha. Y'all want to do a death pool this year? Well, what about you, man? What's your what's your favorite? Oh, all of all of them. Because you, you know why? Because you get some of the most just Billy Bonkers pants on head retarded theories floating around out there, and it's it's some of the best. It's some of the best entertainment you can get. You know, it's like we're that's the beauty of the internet. You know, you're giving schizophrenics a voice. You know, they, they, have, they have a way they can just, and nothing bad against, against you know, mental health and people have problems, but they're giving them a chance to just tick it, tick it, tick it, tick it, tick it on a keyboard and let them go crazy. You know, and it's not healthy. I mean, because then they're getting people commenting, backing up their claims. You know, but you, one thing about the internet has given us is that you know who, who, the, who the retards are real quick, you know, um, whether it be conspiracy theory or anything. Or, or you know what team they cheer for, you know. I'm sorry. As, as crazy as this last year's been, you you almost think, you know what, man? Just about anything's got to be possible now. Well, it's been to me. There's been too many that's been been proven to be true. 
know what I mean? If you want to go back to, you know, like Operation Paperclip, you know about Operation Paperclip? It, it was the uh, it was the the U.S. government wanted to bring over Nazi scientists after after the fall of of Germany, you know, and so certain ones were marked their dossiers were marked with paperclip, and they were brought over here, and they're the ones who they used to found NASA. It was like Werner von Braun, all those guys. Those that was it was a real operation that took place to start up start a space race with with Russia, you know, and then you go to the Gulf of Tonkin, you know, the whole thing that started Vietnam, the, the attack on, on the U.S. ship that was all fabricated. It was proven that it, it never happened. The U.S. government admitted it never happened. Because of that, because of that one lie to start a war, 56,000 American, American soldiers died, sailors, Marines, you know, over a lie. So, I mean, what gets me is some of these things are true. You know, and you can go on Operation Mockingbird, uh, MK Ultra, Operation Midnight Climax. These were all things that came out later to be true. You know, so I, I, I lean more toward the idea that um, I lean more toward the idea that it's hard to have an actual conspiracy because there are a lot of moving parts in these things. And what's the chance one of these people aren't going to talk? You know what I mean? Um, that's, that's kind of my logical brain will say that, but my lizard brain is going, yeah, but what do they really do it? What if they really did it? You know, yeah. What if, what if they really did it? You know, um, I I think a lot of things, um, don't want to dive into nine 11 too hard. I don't think we got the true story. I don't think not the true story. I think we have the full story. I think there were a lot more things going on during that than really happened. I, or maybe I'm just not a trusting guy, and I don't always want to believe the official story. But it's just the U.S. the government has lied to people so many times; it's hard to take them serious anymore. You think they're lying about Bigfoot, man, or Yetis? Or you want to get me on this? No, I'm just thinking. I mean, you know, I mean, do you think they're hiding some kind of what? super big man ape that that hangs out up? In Another there? friend of, of of our network here, Dano. Shout out to Dano if you listen. Um, his he had a whole story on one of the other podcasts on our network where he talked about uh, one of his dad's friends came to him. He's like, well, Bigfoot got my dad. So what are you talking about? He's like, yeah, Bigfoot grabbed my dad. We were out hunting. Bigfoot grabbed my dad. They never found the guy's dad. He claimed that a Bigfoot, a Sasquatch, where was the the Arkansas wood ape, what it's called you know, around this area, uh, uh, got my dad. They never found his dad's body. Bigfoot took Tim's dad. You know, I, do I think it's it's real? I don't know. I think it's possible. I think it's very possible. Sure. Well, you think about, I mean, literally how much stuff we've not explored here on the Earth, of course, man. Most of it's underwater. But there's other spots, man. I mean, you know, I mean, you, you look around, you think, I mean, that's just got to be possible. Right. Somewhere along the line, I mean, there's got to have been something that, mm-hmm. you know, they don't, they're, they're not, there may only be a handful of them. Mm-hmm. Or there may only be some, I don't know, whatever. But, uh. I don't know. We used to uh, watch Finding Bigfoot on TV, <laughs> and those guys would get out there, man, and take a bat or something, hit a tree, and you know, and try to listen for one man to holler in the background. I'll tell you, man, something that was really cool uh, is that, uh, and I'm sure that y'all been around me somewhere along the line. Um, uh, it would be 
get would get outside because part of what they would do on that show <coughs> would be you know called up they would try to call up a bigfoot or something you know and it would basically just be this howling scream just Wah! as long you know just to get there so um you know we would get outside at night <laughs> and, and holler into and the darkness bark one up you know? <laughs> Check this out. Wah! You know, and it just listen. And of course, man, it just winds up spoking the neighbors because they're thinking, what you, what's outside? What are you doing, man? Golly, it's two in the morning. What are you yelling at? Now, I told Tarika that I was hoping maybe like this, um, this spring or so, I'd like to set up out on the patio, you know, so we have a little ambient noise in the background. <laughs> She's like, you're all the, the trucks with the loud pots going on the roof. And I was like, yeah, some crackhead screaming into the darkness. Just, yeah. <laughs> That's right. Oh, man. Anything else y'all wanted to cover tonight? Man, I've had a great time. I have too, man. Thank y'all so much for both coming on here. Yeah. Uh, I'll have you on here again. Love y'all guys so much. Absolutely. And I love all y'all too. Y'all have a good night. Bye. All right. Thank y'all for listening to this episode of The Hango Show. Uh, if you want to know more about us all here at Tripod Broadcasting, head over to tripodbroadcasting.com where you can check out my episodes and, of course, the other shows we have here on the network. Go by and check out Matt and Addison and give that some thought. Also, stop by and see Rick and the Boys at Barnhill Outdoors for more hunting and fishing. And, of course, check out Aaron's show, I Have the High Ground, his Star Wars podcast. You can check out all those and more over at tripodbroadcasting.com. Thank you so much. Have a good night. Bye.